Hello and welcome to series two, episode six of To The Studio. Today, we have Alexander Pollard on the podcast. Alex graduated from his BA at Glasgow School of Art in 1999. And in 2017, he earned an MPhil from Goldsmiths for his thesis, A Genealogy of Bad Painting, Legacies, Soft Objects and Networks. Alex is a Steiner student, having attended Brighton Steiner School prior to university. This education has left a deep and lasting impact in the way he approaches his work and research where he continuously explores the way human intuition affects and interacts with the creative process, especially in the art of painting. Alex has also recently set up the New Art School, which is a rigorous international online programme suitable for artists anywhere in the world. Designed to offer a contemporary art education and meaningful support structures at an affordable rate, it provides an art education for everyone and not just for the few. Providing fresh, relevant and smart educational programmes for contemporary artists and cultural practitioners looking to take the next step in their work. We cover all of this in our chat as well as his ongoing research into bad painting, how he best operates in the studio, the graphic novel he's currently writing for his PhD and his fascination with mythology and pareidolia. So thanks very much for listening and I hope you enjoy our chat. Hey Alex, how are you doing? Not bad, David. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Absolute good pleasure. To see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for agreeing to come on. It's strange, strange times we're in. Um, it's uh, yeah, this is the first time that we're going to kind of do do these recordings online. So yeah, thanks for being, thanks for agreeing, and thanks for coming on and doing it. Mm, pleasure. Um, so first off. Um, Let's, I'd like you to talk a bit about maybe your background um, and how you found your way into the arts. Sure. Okay, um, so my background, I guess, I guess probably the most interesting thing to talk about would be um, that I, I sort of, I went to Glasgow School of Art and I kind of stayed in Glasgow. And so I am actually... A Scottish artist, but even though I don't sound like a Scottish, I don't have an accent. But I, I, I lived in Glasgow for like eighteen years, um, and they, they were sort of, I guess you know when you go to college and you do all that kind of stuff. That's they're they're pretty important years. They're kind of formative years. So I still see myself as being a Scottish artist, really, um, and um, I suppose I. After sort of doing painting at the Glasgow School of Art, I kind of um, I started working at Transmission Gallery, which was quite mm. uh, formative as well. Um, that was um, I learned a lot doing that and met really interesting people, and I had a really good time. Yeah, just doing that, um, and then and then after that, I, I just sort of hung around in Scotland and made work for ages, and then. Yeah, I suppose the most significant things that I've kind of done in terms of CV would be um, uh, I represented Scotland in the Venice Biennale in 2005. And um, I suppose 
around about that kind of time, I, I sort of, I was, I was doing shows internationally and did a sort of group show in uh, Loring Augustine, which was kind of um, a big one. Mm. Um, I did the Prague Biennale, um, the Santorini Biennale. Um, <laughs> that was that was interesting. Mm. Um, what else? Um, yeah, I was shown in sort of. Um, I suppose it's shown in sort of like commercial galleries all over the world, really. And yeah. Done residencies um, in Australia and uh, Amsterdam. I had a year in Amsterdam. That was um, that was really interesting as well. Mm. So um, I've had a quite a sort of varied kind of CV. And I, I suppose when I was on a residency in Berlin, I um, I actually thought to myself that it was maybe time to to leave Glasgow. Um, because I was kind of enjoying being away. It's, um, it's maybe, I mean, it's Glasgow's only, it's a small city. And I suppose if you're there for about 20 years, um, you, you sort of, you can get itchy feet a bit. And, uh, I kind of figured that maybe it was time to sort of try, try another city, you know, cause I was enjoying the residencies that I was going on. And, mm. uh, and so then when I was in Berlin, I applied for a job in London at Wimbledon school of art. College of Arts, I think it's called, and um, yeah, I ended up getting the job, which is quite uh, quite rare because <laughs> usually these things are quite um, sort of internal. Yeah, they kind of they're kind of quite sewn up usually, but yeah, so I ended up doing that, and that that brought me to London, and then um, so you know from there I sort of I kind of hung about basically. So mm. and I've been sort of slowly just getting on with my own work and. It's a very different sort of vibe in London. Um, uh, I guess I'm not quite as connected to the scene, but I, I'm um, got. I've got actually got more time to um, focus on my work and less. I'm less sort of. I was a bit of a kind of a socialite in Glasgow. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not, not like that anymore. Really, I'm just mm. kind of quite into just being a nerd. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when you uh, when you moved to London, because um, you you studied your MA at Goldsmiths, right? Mm. Was was did that when did that decision come? Did that decision come kind of before deciding to move to London, or, or was it? Or did it come after? Yeah, it was it was after really because I I started it and I was doing this kind of MPhil remotely, and um, and I was kind of flying down for the odd symposium and seminar and one-on-one uh, -on -one meeting with my supervisor. And then I kind of, um, I think because I was kind of juggling so many different things, I was kind of really taking a long time getting through it. And then um, lots, of, lots of things were kind of happening in my life at the time. And um, I sort of had a few years doing the, the MPhil where I kind of literally did nothing. <laughs> Because I was kind of, you know, sometimes you go through these periods of upheaval in your life, and um, and you know stuff happens, and so you have to just kind of, yeah, you sort of have good intentions to do a lot of work, but you don't you don't actually do any, mm. any anything about it. But um, yeah, and then I think as soon as I kind of made the decision to actually move to London, then I actually finished the MPhil like within about a year of actually coming. Yeah down you know so it was yeah. like I, yeah it was it was a good thing to do I mean I kind of um 
had its ups and downs because it's uh, Goldsmiths is quite a, I don't know, the sort of vibe is so different from so many other colleges or it's just so, um, it's quite brutal and it's um, very anti-painting, mm. which uh, helped me to sort of realise quite quite clearly that uh, I was in the wrong place. <laughs> you know, it's like, that was fine to sort of realise that and then mm. you kind of, you kind of get on with it. Um, but yeah, it, it really was the wrong place. But I suppose I was kind of interested in painting with ideas in it, but I I didn't want to, um, like the kind of, I guess the old sort of 90s formulas of post-structuralism were like really, really over. And um, and I suppose that the new sort of crew at Goldsmiths um, really really thought painting was kind of not, uh, it, it wasn't able to keep up to pace with all of the new ideas that were out there, which which I think is wrong. But that's just the vibe that was there, yeah. you know, because there was all this kind of post-internet stuff going on when I was there. And um, I kind of know quite a bit about that sort of scene. Um, loads of people that were there at the same time were they're sort of quite, quite sort of well-known figures in that kind of scene. But... Mm. Um, I think actually the pathway that I took was right, you know, from actually just sort of thinking, actually, this isn't for me, you know, and mm. it, uh, someone actually said to me at the time, they said, well, if you're not enjoying it, at least the good thing about Goldsmiths is that you'll be able to clearly define your position and, mm. um, and it'll toughen you up. Yeah. And it, it, it definitely did that. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you find that your work didn't, didn't change that much then when, when you were there? No, I mean, it, it did, it did. Um, it did, but it was like totally like unacceptable for a kind of goldsmith's vibe. So I was kind of yeah, I was I was being exposed to new things. Um, I was looking at a lot of new things that were coming out on Instagram, like everybody else was, yeah. um, and I was kind of going with the flow of that. And that that was my uh, I suppose that was my peer group in a way, rather than the people that I was uh, studying with. Mm. Although I mean, the people I studied with were really interesting artists it's just that none of them were painting so yeah. it's kind of that was kind of tricky but i mean you know I, I i read a lot of various different books you know theory books and mm. as well as you know all sorts of different stuff theory fiction so i could talk i could talk about that kind of stuff with them but um and one or two of them were kind of sympathetic to painting but uh at a distance yeah <laughs> yeah um um and how has your work? How has your work changed? Kind of after, 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 after leaving there. Because how how long ago was it? Was it about seven years ago? Was it that you left there? Uh, was it more than that? I might have to look at my CV. Um, I, I think it was twenty twelve. Am I right in saying that? that no, right? no, no. It was no. I took I took ages to do it because I had these two years that were oh yeah, of course, of sort of write off. Um, mm. I think it's actually. I think it's much later than that. I think it's like two thousand and. 1617 oh okay like that because mm. I, I just i took a i just took ages to kind of do anything yeah. but um but yeah i mean I, in the end i started to actually my my, my mphil thesis is online um maybe i could send you a, a kind of link to it yeah do um, yeah do um, i'll put that in the um i'll put that in in, in the link in the link, uh, note section mm. yeah 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 
So it's like um, uh, I did all this sort of research into uh, things that I thought I should I should write my thesis on. Yeah. Uh, did it, you know, for years, and and then and then when it actually came to it, I thought um, actually like none of this really is that interesting, and I actually ended up um, having one of those kind of moments where I thought, what are you actually really interested in? And 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 uh, I ended up looking at the classics again of like you know bad painting. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a, a genealogy of bad painting. Um, now. It's a long title, so it's like uh, it's genealogy of bad painting, um, legacies, soft objects, and networks, and it was uh, yeah, it's basically it's it's a kind of um, well, I, I guess it's like uh, I did a sort of survey of bad painting of, of like key key figures within bad painting that I was interested in, and um, and I also brought in some some artists that um that aren't ever part of the canon so that i i think are are kind of interesting and worthy of being Mm. spoken about um within bad painting so sandy guy for example would be alexander guy uh, yeah yeah i've I've, I've looked at him for quite a while he's fantastic yeah 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 he's um he's the sort of painter that um now seems super contemporary yeah Um, you know but uh, for a long time, he was um, uh, not given the respect he deserved, yeah. especially in Scotland, actually. Mm. Um, but he was always kind of um, appreciated in Germany, actually. Really? He was always, yeah, yeah. He was always he was always kind of valued in Germany, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I mentioned him. I mentioned Lee Lozano, um, uh, uh, René Magritte's period Vash. Mm. So I spend a lot of time talking about the period Vash, which is... I mean, let's face it. It's that's the that's the dog's dinner. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's you know that is that's good work. I mm. like it a lot. Um, yeah, um, and uh, Kippenberger as well. You know, yeah. I'm a sort of big big Kippenberger fan. Um, and there's so you know Kippenberger is so difficult to deal with that I ended up spending a huge amount of the text talking about Kippenberger and um, perhaps not doing quite as wide a survey as I. I could have done mm. um, and um, but yeah I sort of I started to um, bring in sort of um, you know some contemporary theory with like speculative speculative theory um, in, in relation to sort of Guston and the, and the idea of soft objects being present in a lot of bad painting so um, and that obviously sort of uh, overlaps with Lee Lozano as well. So, you know, particularly her tall paintings, these sort of hammers that were, uh, I think they're really great, great paintings. And she, she's, you know, finally getting the kind of credit she deserves. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of, I think that was kind of one of the most interesting things about the thesis. Um, I also sort of, uh, I also did try and tackle uh, David Jocelyn's, uh painting beside itself and how that's, kind of changed bad painting so it's like a sort of contemporary a very contemporary take on like where bad painting is at now and and some of the dead ends that are in it as well so i was kind of talking about some of the sort of more nihilistic strands of of bad painting and how i felt that the um the sort of re the re-engagement with soft object painting was perhaps a much more forward a much more positive a much more sort of um 
it kind of uh, opened more doorways for bad painting and, and the sort of very nihilistic um, bad painting that sort of seemed to take influence from uh, institutional critique was perhaps uh, had reached its kind of nadir. Um, so uh, I guess at the end of it, I kind of, I, I really sort of uh, talk about, yeah, I sort of lay that on the line about, you know, where I mm. think it, you know, what the, what the most interesting thing about it is, is at the moment. Mm. Mm. Um, I guess it's, it'll be a good time now then to kind of, for anyone who, who isn't familiar with, with your work, um, kind of how you describe your practice at the moment, um, maybe in, in relation to kind of, to, yeah, to that kind of footing in, in, in mm. research that, that you've got. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, um, well, I suppose, uh, yeah, I suppose at the moment um, I've been kind of, I've been sort of making paintings uh, for a while that are, I suppose, like, quite sort of um, intuitive but they're quite they're also quite sort of um, I guess they're quite sort of fictioned in some ways so they're kind of um, uh, I sort of set like you know like to sort of um, start painting and, and work through ideas and then kind of after I've been sort of working on a body of work for maybe about sort of six to eight months then I would sort of look at it and kind of almost post rationalize what I was what I've been working on. Mm -hmm. So I don't really kind of I don't start with a kind of fixed idea of what it's going to be. Yeah. But then uh, but then I kind of um, come up with a kind of quite, I guess, a sort of almost magical realist kind of title that, that then sort of galvanizes the, the show. And then so the last show I did was um, paleophobism, which was, uh, I guess, it's a sort of mashup. Um, it's, it's like a kind of collaged collision of of um, things that you wouldn't associate uh, going together. So it's like a kind of, I guess you could describe it as a as a modernism that never occurred. <laughs> That's the way I kind of like to like to kind of frame it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's this idea that uh, what happens if um, fauvism had been influenced by like Russian dinosaur illustration. And then sort of, you know, and that's a sort of yeah. open question. And then I sort of, uh, I guess I realized that um, I've been making these kind of paintings in the studio that were kind of um, uh, improvised. Um, and that they started to look like I'd, I'd set that as a kind of research question. Mm. So, so I kind of reversed engineered the research question in the end. And um, yeah, sort of. I also sort of, uh, alongside that, I kind of, um, I was kind of, I suppose I was sort of interested in, in the idea that dinosaurs are sort of myth as a kind of perpetually present sort of archetype mm. within culture. Like we, you know, this idea that we've never seen a dinosaur, but it's always there as a sort of um, kind of archetypal representation. Um, and then, and when that sort of, also when that sort of um, moves across to things like mythology, like, you know, sort of. Um, you know things like I don't know, lot, like light and a lot less monster, yeah. or the um, uh, there's there's a Umbeke. Uh, um, I, I can't actually pronounce it, but it's I can I can I could send you the actual um, the name. It's like a sort of African name of a of a sort of fictional dinosaur. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of had those kind of 
those kind of mythological uses of uh, dinosaurs in the back of my mind as well. Um, and also, um, I suppose, sort of like false paleontology, like um, uh, the Piltdown Man as well. Mm. So one of the paintings I did for for the um, for the uh, paleophobism show, which was I should I should really have started by explaining that that was a show in Folkestone that I did in a hot project space. So I kind of yeah the the show the show in hot project space was it had kind of like thylacines in it and um, a pilt down man, but they were all painted in a kind of um, completely sort of uh, yeah quite a sort of uh, kind of go for it way like um, they're quite sort of tough. Um, sort of wet on wet paintings where I sort of started by just simply putting material down on the surface, pushing it around and then seeing, kind of seeing what emerged. So um, embracing a lot of kind of, uh, I suppose, sort of pareidolia, you know, this kind of idea that you sort of see faces in, mm, in the flames. Yeah, yeah. This kind of idea. So that was kind of like a kind of central theme to, to how I was beginning to work with that, with that work. Um, because I suppose I quite like the idea that the paintings had a say in um, in how they kind of ended up. So, like they they sort of the, the paint kind of led led me to make the work, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so you know, I always I always love that Picasso quote that painting is better than I am. It tells me what to do. Mm. And um, I suppose I was sort of courting the. Um, courting that kind of quality because I, I think really the bottom line is that um, my paintings are much better when they're um, when, I've, when I've sort of actually gone through that kind of I walk, walk that kind of line with them mm. so um, and in that process you get a lot of um, you get a lot of wastage so like you know you, you can go through weeks of trying to paint in that way and you get you know, you get a total dog's breakfast mm. of, you know, um, and, and it can be very frustrating. But then all of a sudden you can suddenly turn a corner and you can suddenly have a day where you can paint like three or four pictures that just seem to kind of sing. You might have, you know, mm. just, yeah, just, um, and I, I guess I, I love that kind of, um, that's for me. That's sort of really exciting. That's the thing that I'm addicted to in paintings, where you're kind of in the studio and you're in this kind of flow zone, and you um, time goes really, really quickly, and you don't realise that you're, you know, you're sort of getting through a lot of work, and you're in this sort of deep concentration. I'm sort of getting more and more into this idea that actually that's what painting is about. It's quite. It sounds very hippie, mm. but um, the more I sort of read about it the more I realised that that's the state I need to be in in order to make anything, you know, half decent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how, and do you find that you can kind of activate that state in, in yourself when you, when you enter the studio or is it kind of aligned with the successes of, of your work in that some days it can happen and some days it can't, or is, is, is there any ruling to kind of, yeah. To get it get to into, happen. Yeah. Um, I've, I've found that basically got to be sort of like working for, for a few hours, I think, before you get into that zone. And like, I think 
One of the dangerous things if you paint wet on wet is, um, and you, you should, I, I would think you actually might have something to say about this yourself, but <laughs> when, you, when you go back to a painting and it's wet on wet, mm. and it's like the amount of times I've lost a painting because I've kind of got a half decent thing and then I go into it and I'm, I'm not in a gallop when, mm. I, when I make a mark. So I'm, I'm starting on a half decent painting and then that is always a recipe for like, you know, you get to a point on it and you just think this is gone. You know, and then, and then the paint stripper comes out and then and it comes off. So, um, yeah, so I think um, I sort of found that, I mean, I've got a nice new studio now in, in London Fields and um, with very nice studio mates. And so I'm, I'm kind of settled again because it took me ages to kind of get used to a new studio. Um, and I found that, you know, kind of going there, um, yeah, a couple of hours of, of painting mm. and then I'm sort of, I'm in a kind of rhythm and, you know, it gets this sort of flow state. And then, um, and because I paint wet on wet, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm sort of trying to sort of paint more on, uh, wood to sort of get that kind of greasy finish and also to, to paint slightly thinner as well. Cause I, I went through a stage of kind of caking it on a bit and, uh, it's good to kind of, it's good to kind of like change these things up, I think, you know, and to sort of uh, realize that you, you know, if you've been sort of banging your head up against a brick wall too often, to kind of think, well, actually, why am I, yeah. why am I doing that? Why am I laying that on so thickly? So, yeah, these new paintings that I've been working on, uh, sort of since that paleophobism show, are kind of, um, uh, they're, they're kind of, I suppose that they're, they're again sort of uh, fictioned paintings so they uh i guess my my practice in the last few years has been sort of embracing the idea of fictioning with with painting so imagining um potential speculative histories and, and futures um and so the, these new paintings are actually sort of science fiction paintings that are semi-inspired well no they are inspired by this um phd that i'm writing now which is yeah. um which is a, it's actually a graphic novel and it's, it's, um, it's called the precognitive painting program. And it's, um, using the words of Philip K. Dick, um, I'm talking about art schools in the future and how, and the role of uh, the precognitive in, in intuition, uh, and, 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 and how that, how that, how that would work with, um, post experience economy, um, uh, art schools mm. yeah um so uh it sounds it's uh, it probably sounds like a bit of a sort of uh, headache to explain but it's um i'm sort of cutting up parts of philip k dick novels like all like all of them and then rearranging them to tell a different story so it's a it's a it's a good old-fashioned kind of cut up but it's not a cut up in the sense that it's um it's not like William Burroughs or Brian Geisen in that it's, it's not totally abstract. It's, it's kind of, it's more like David Shields is, um, reality hunger in mm -hmm. that it's, um, it has a kind of narrative in it, but it's a, it's a narrative that's distorted and weird. And you can tell that it's me trying to sort of talk about something through someone else's words. So it's, so it's actually quite hauntological as well. Mm. Mm. Um, and have these kind of, have these ideas kind of always been present 
do, do you think um or has it been um have you kind of come come to these ideas through through the work kind of i guess progressing um and kind of moving forward i suppose it's me um thinking about what else i can get out of the methodology of fictioning mm. so um so i kind of uh i had a lot of fun with the paleophobism idea yeah but i think it would have been um it would have been boring for me to go away and make a whole new body of work that was also about dinosaurs and, and fovism. Um, mm. I think that's it would have been not so interesting then. Um, so I think, um, you know, I suppose re re keeping the, the wet and wet painting technique, but moving to, um, I guess, sort of science fiction paintings that are inspired out of a, a kind of textual cut-up, I suppose that's... Um, it's an example of, um, I suppose, like how painting could be influenced by um, by science fiction text or novels, and also graphic novels as well. Because I'm um, I'm also cutting up uh, existing graphic novels uh, by Philip K. Dick as well uh, of his work. So you know, ranging from Electric Ants to um, uh, Total Recall. Mm. to uh, Minority Report, mm. um, all these, and, you know, a lot. some of them are Marvel and some of them are, you know, sort of boom studios in Los Angeles. So all of these things kind of um, add to the um, the inspiration, I suppose, behind. So I, I, I'm not painting in a sort of graphic style, but I am sort of influenced by it. So the show that I was actually working towards was... Um, it's, uh, I have got the title of the gallery space on my phone, Karen Jujo, which means a crab in Portuguese. So it's like a, it's a project space, but I, it's going to be difficult for me to be able to pronounce that properly. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. We can put it um, in the notes. Yeah. Maybe it's best, best to go kick that one in the notes. Um, yeah. So this basically it's a, it was a show in a project space in South London and it was going to be called Heads in Half-Life. And so uh, one of Philip K. Dick's key novels, I guess, is Ubik, where uh, in Ubik, a lot of the kind of action revolves around the idea of Half-Life, which is where the computer game stole it from. It wasn't, like, it's got nothing to do with the computer game, basically. Mm. Um, and it's this idea that um, uh, I guess that one of the central characters in it is in Half-Life. And it's um, it's when you kind of you're nearly dead but not quite dead, and you get rushed to these units. I don't know if you've read that book, but um, but it's pretty. I mean, it's it's it sort of stayed with me when I read it. I thought it's it's really it's a really great idea, mm. and um, it features. I've kind of borrowed Half Life a little bit in the um, in the actual graphic novel that I'm writing, the PhD graphic novel. Yeah. So um, I'm talking to. Uh, a lot to Rudolf Steiner in the in in Half Life. So, because um, I I should explain that one of the things that I one of the things that I sort of realised is that um, I suppose that I went when I was a kid I went to a Steiner school mm -hmm. and I realised that uh, the way that they kind of taught me to paint when I was at Steiner school has had a massive um, influence on my painting like you know in the last few years i've sort yeah. of 
returned to um, that type of wet on wet painting. So, you know, because they, they, they essentially teach you to paint wet on wet without outlines, which is um, kind of what I do. So, um, yeah, I realized how significant that is. Um, so this is a kind of, um, it's a way that I can kind of, um, it's a way that I can discuss a lot of, um, a lot of key things to, to that way of making work, mm. uh, by, by involving Steiner into this, um, into this kind of science fiction narrative, but it's, it's quite, it's not, um, the actual narrative is not kind of, it doesn't sort of celebrate anything. It's not like saying, oh, you know, sign is amazing. Yeah. You know, this is, it's, it's much more sort of complex than that. It's, um, you know, we, we kind of, I guess the dialogue between myself and Steiner in the actual narrative is like half the time we're, we're sort of arguing about things. Mm. So it's, um, but it's, uh, yeah, I suppose it's, it's about, I mean, it's about things like, um, post-human uh, questioning of certain sort of traditional roles of subjectivity in, um, in, in painting and, and how, you know, sort of how subjectivity can be sort of um, complicated by um, virtual, I suppose virtual worlds and also uh, things like uh, head transplants, things like that. Mm. You know, so I've been, I've been looking at like sort of, you know, uh, I suppose sort of, you know, what, what all these things kind of do to like notions of the self so that all, all of that's kind of discussed in, in the graphic novel. Um, and it's done through kind of fictions within fictions. So, you know, within the story, there's, there's, you know, you, there's a, there's an art school where that employs, um, uh, game, gaming and fiction, fictioning to, to kind of learn. To kind of you know it's like uh, you know I, I guess it's quite matrixy. People always say to me, "Oh, it's like, <laughs> is it like learning kung fu in the matrix?" Yes, basically, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, well, I guess while we're on the whilst we're on the theme of education, um, it'd be a good time to talk about the new art school that you recently set up. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Can you introduce us to what that is and why you decided to set to set that up? Sure. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the new art school is, um, yeah, I suppose it's a sort of uh, online uh, mentoring platform uh, where contemporary artists uh, have been invited to be mentors and um, we're, you know, this sort of call out for students to, to enrol and to be mentored by, um, there's a selection of artists on our site, which is um, a new art.school and um, but it was a, it was a kind of idea that happened. Um, it was the summer I was up in Glasgow, um, last year and I was, um, at my friend's house called Gregor Wright, who's an artist, uh, very good artist and, um, very clever guy. And he shows his work at the modern Institute in Glasgow. And, um, we've been friends for a long, long time. We used to run Transmission Gallery together um, at the same time. And we've always kept in touch and we've done exhibitions together and things like that. So um, I was I was kind of, I think it was his birthday actually, and we were we were having um, a, just a quiet kind of dinner. And I, I um, as a response to 
the Glasgow School of Art burning down, uh, which was we were talking about it because um, it's it's basically a huge tragedy for everybody, um, and especially people that are in Glasgow, because uh, it's a kind of figurehead building in the city, and it's also a national treasure that has kind of been uh, lost, really. And um, we were kind of discussing that, and I actually said to Gregor, as semi as a joke, um, that perhaps he should open his own art school, and that now is the time to sort of um, actually look to alternative modes. Mm. Um, you know, obviously we've got, you know, we've got the internet, and um, I think that it sort of felt like something was in the air that needed to happen, where there needed to be some kind of um, some sort of pos positive gesture had to sort of come out of something so negative, you know. So, um, and also another thing that we were talking about in the same evening was the price of uh, education as well. So, um, so even even in Scotland, uh, an, an MA if you don't get a funded place, and there aren't, you know. You can get some funded places, but it's not everybody in the year. So it's maybe I think about maybe about five places in in, in a year in Glasgow is, are now funded, but all of the other students are, are all paying. You know, it's like uh, I th I don't know the exact statistics, but it's probably about five grand for a year. Yeah. It's a two year MA, so you know it's going to set you back a lot. It's going to be that's going to put you into debt. Um, and and we kind of I sort of said to Gregor, you know, like. There has to be a sort of alternative where you could sort of get, um, you could you could you could establish kind of contact and um, you could have a relationship with with mentors, and you wouldn't have to sort of pay that huge amount of money mm. that would actually put you into crippling debt. Because also, I then explained to Gregor, and I'm sure you already knew this anyway, but um, that in England the situation is much worse. So it's like. You know, you're talking nine grand a year, and yeah. if obviously I know you went to the Royal College, if you're if you're a non-EU student at the Royal College, that's going to cost you thirty grand a year. Yeah. So I mean, uh, and you can't tell me that all of that thirty grand gets used <laughs> on the program and the facilities because no. we all know it doesn't. Mm. So I'm not talking about the Royal College. I'm talking about in general. Yeah, yeah. Like the the general sort of um, top slicing that goes on. Mm. Um, so. I think, I think, I, I think what we wanted to do is we wanted to offer um, disadvantaged people the chance to actually study art and to have contact with uh, professional artists and yeah. people that have maybe sort of been around the block a bit and have some information to um, pass across to you know, and so that was really the kind of the. Um, I suppose the sort of kernel of, of, of what we wanted to do. And um, and we've been looking to sort of, um, yeah, we've been looking to offer free places actually. Mm. Um, so that our idea was to get going, to, to, to start the ball rolling, you know, to, to make a bit, of, you know, have a bit of money coming in and then to actually kind of offer some free places. So um, I think in the next week, we're actually gonna uh, offer our first two free places. Oh, um, amazing. To, yeah, on Instagram to um, disadvantaged candidates. So that would be uh, BAME 
working class, geographically remote, um, or disabled candidates. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to sort of have a call out and then, you know, see what, see who who applies, and, yeah. and then do it that way. And so, um, particularly particularly now with uh, all of this kind of corona madness that's happening, um, you know, I think you do need some good news stories. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, like for sure. you know, and if uh, both Gregor and I, you know, we're in a position where we, we can. Yeah, we can't we can't offer twenty free places yet, but eventually we 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 hope to. Yeah. You know, so and 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 this way, it you know because if I think back to uh, I mean, neither Gregor or I come from families with loads of money, so you know uh, I'm not I'm not making out that I'm um, you know working class hero or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I just come from a normal sort of background basically. Um, uh, I wouldn't have gone to art school. Because if, if uh, my parents had explained to me, um, you know, you do realise if you do this, you're going to be in uh, 60 grand's worth of debt, I probably would have said, um, well, actually, what do I actually get out of that? Mm. Um, and then I probably would have looked to alternatives. I probably would have looked to say, well, could I be an apprentice to somebody? Could I work for them and then sort of give me some hints and tips? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's... So I suppose maybe this is actually... Me thinking, well, you know, if I was uh, 18 again, you know, m m maybe I would have actually uh, enrolled. And mm. This is the way I would have gone forward. Because, um, you know, if people do enroll, then they're going to get something out of it. And it's going to be, it's, gonna, it's a viable alternative. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's and it's a great thing. I think it's it's a really great thing that you're doing to offer, to offer that alternative, um, because at the moment there are few and far between. Mm. And you mentioned obviously with the you know the context we're in right now with um, with with the with the virus and and people actually um, having to think about alternate ways of of of, of showing and of communicating. Um, hopefully, people will will see the benefits of kind of. On what well, the benefits of kind of doing that online, um, and how, how how positive and how helpful that can be, um, and obviously we're all kind of now in, in the climate room. We're kind of well versed with seeing images online um, and sharing things digitally. Um, and actually, I'd, I'd kind of be interested to know how you find because um, I assume that you a lot of work that you see from. From the students in the new art school, are is, is it is it mostly online that you see the work? Yeah, I mean, what's I guess what's happened at the moment is um, we've most of our students are actually international, so uh, we've got students across four different continents. Wow. Okay. So like Australia, India, uh, uh, actually Canada and, and America are the same continent. So mm. maybe it's three continents actually, but um, uh, it's Europe as well. So. Mm. Um, yeah, so um, those students, yeah, we 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 we're we're working from uh, images that they send us that they upload through the system, which yeah. uh, Greg Greg has built a really good system, and mm. so they can send us very good quality images, so we can mm. see what they've been doing. Um, yeah, so how do you find that comparison? Do you do you, do you find it all right? Yeah, I mean, um, I suppose that. Um, you know, if I was given a, an absolute choice, I would, I would always say that um, it's it, 
I, I would like to see, you know, the original painting on, on yeah. the wall that I could walk around it and I could yeah. see the sun shining on the surface and I could see how things were done. But mm. I think if somebody gets good at taking documentation, it, you can get a lot of the information from a photograph. Mm. Um, yeah, it's um, and sometimes I sort of like say to the um, to the student to to kind of look to improve that kind of documentation so that I can kind of see the surfaces and see how they see see more how they're painted and mm. um, yeah, so so you can sort of like advise on things like grounds, things like that. Yeah, maybe like you know what medium to put through the paint. Yeah, obviously I'm talking about painting here. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah, and I suppose, um, but you, you can get a, you can get a really good sense of of what what you know what people need to address mm -hmm. from the work. Yeah. yeah, and and you can go into plenty of detail mm. with um, you know with feedback. So yeah, it's been working quite nicely so yeah. far. Um, and a lot of a lot of the UK students have been affected by the um, with the coronavirus, the the sort of um, at the end of their uh, gig economy work. Yeah. So uh, that's been that has actually, despite the fact that we're an online school, that has actually affected us as well. So, um, but we have a sort of system where um, students can freeze their involvement. You know, they they can just freeze it for a few months if they want. Just oh, great! Fun, start it up whenever they want again. So yeah. it's actually quite easy. And so we've got a few people like that in the UK that have taken a break whilst the um, pandemic is in full flow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so anyone that's wanting to apply, what um, do you get? Well, what tutors do you have? Um, do you get assigned them, um, or can you choose kind of who you talk to, or how's it? Yeah, work? yeah, sure. I mean, the, yeah, if the anyone looking on the on the site, they can see you know they can see the mentors that are available. So um, there's you know Gregor and myself, uh, Carla Black and, and Sarah Barker, Lorna McIntyre. Uh, I'm going to forget some people here. Uh, Hardy <laughs> Pandel, and uh, I've just been on the, just been talking to uh, Ravia Chowdhury, who's uh, a really interesting uh, Edinburgh-based painter. Yeah. So she's she's going to join us as well. Um, yeah, and uh, in London as well, we've got Ray Hicks, uh, who you know. Yeah, and, um, yeah, he's he's been on actually, friend of the podcast. <laughs> oh, good, 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 excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Ray's currently um mentoring someone in india which is cool oh wow so, yeah yeah that's good um yeah so uh of course yeah the 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 um the students can choose who they want to be mentored by and there's a sort of drop down list of of who's available um and um and that's that seems to be working nicely i mean um and then we asked them to upload about i mean upload about 10 images to yeah. start with and then also um either like you know a short statement about their work statement of practice or just some notes about what they're thinking about and what they want out of their uh program mm. you know just to sort of like uh, tell us more about themselves and we also copy their cv so we can have a look at you know what they've been doing where they where they studied um yeah that's that's kind of i think that all of that information is good yeah. um and uh and then the the application is actually the first submission. So then, the tutor, the the mentor gets assigned, and then, and then they they sort of feedback straight away. Well, within ten working days of, of that application going in. Right. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it works. And then, and they also choose their format as well. So they can, 
you know, if they want to do Skype or Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams, they can do that. Okay. And if they want to do a written email report, then they can do that. It's no problem. Fantastic. And um, and they can do one-on-one studio visits if they want. Obviously, at the moment with Corona, it's mm. not. They can't really do that. But mm. um, so that's I think another reason why the UK students have decided to kind of just temporarily freeze uh, their sort of involvement, and then and we'll pick that up again. I hope when this craziness sort of sorts itself out. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so, so to find you, um, you're, you're on Instagram, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and they apply via the website, just, yeah, just the website. Mm. Yeah. So it's like at, what is it? At, at, at school, And then, uh, the website is, um, newart.school. So yeah, it's pretty straightforward. And then, and also as well, the, the, um, the, uh, the sort of disadvantaged offer, the disadvantaged student offer, that is going to be going live, like, you know, probably in about a week's time. Okay, great. So Greg is building a landing page at the moment for that on, on the website. So as soon as that's done, mm. then I can just uh, do the do the Instagram post. Amazing. And then, and then we're away. So, great. And um, so maybe some, some of your podcast listeners will hear about it first. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, um, well, hopefully this this will go out before before that, um, yeah. or, or or on the same day. I don't know, but it'll, it'll go out soon. So hopefully, yeah. If you're interested, definitely have a look and and uh, yeah, and apply away. Yeah, that'll be great. I mean, it gets you know, it's good that I'm doing this. It gets it out there, and mm. you know, that's what we want. We want people to to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. Nice one. Okay. Well, as you as you might know. Um, when we near the end of our podcasts, I ask everyone the same few questions at the end. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry if it catches you out. Um, the first one is, um, if you could swap seats with me and visit any artist or person in history, mm. living or dead, um, what would you ask them? Um, yeah, well, who would it be and what would you ask them? I think I'd probably go for... So this is a really tough one because obviously I'm going to say something and then I think five minutes later, I think, <laughs> yeah. oh, how could I? How could I not ask you know, <laughs> Philip? How could I not ask Philip Guston about uh, shoes? <laughs> but, um, I think I'd probably go for probably go for like Paul Tech, and then I'd probably ask him. I'd probably say like um, I'd probably ask him about like magic. I'd probably sort of say like, you know, like, I mean, I, I get this sort of vibe from his work. It's, you know, it's kind of magical. Mm. And I, I, I want to sort of like, I want to know um, what he thinks about magic and like what, you know, like what, you know, what books did he read about magic? And, you know, like, just tell me a bit more, you know, just to have a conversation with him about, mm. about magic, I think. That's the yeah. most great answer. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, and secondly, um, has there been a piece of advice that, that, that someone's given you um, that has kind of carried through with you until now in your in in your in your with your practice? Yeah. So um, I worked for years with Carol Rhodes, uh, who sadly passed away. Um, I, I yeah, maybe like a year or so ago, mm. um, and. Um, I guess as I get older, the more I realise how much I learned from her 
teaching side by side with her mm. in the Glasgow School of Art. And um, a lot of the things that I'm now starting to kind of do in my paintings are as a result of, of her mantras going through my head. Um, you know, they're just, uh, they're really just about wet on wet painting and about how, how you kind of, um, how you work with, with the material of paint and like, um, and with color as well. She always used to say to me, um, keep it lighter for longer. And that's something that I, I now pass on to students where mm. if you are working well on work and you go straight in with a kind of a, an umber or a mm. Prussian blue, you know, it gets everywhere. And, um, and I suppose like, uh, there's kind of an art to, um, when you're painting wet and wet, sort of, I suppose you can see it in like things like de Kooning's women series where things can get, they can almost kind of collapse. Mm. They can go, they can go to right to the edge of being a complete and utter failure. But then obviously de Kooning was very, very good at this about sort of saving something right, you know, from the jaws of failure. Mm. And, um, I think, you know, that, that type of, uh, engagement with painting, I think, um, yeah, just sort of hearing, just hearing her voice kind of talking about painting over the years, uh, to do with surfaces as well about, uh, you know, preparing thrixotropic surfaces and where the paint would slide around and then, um, not using local color, you know, so she would say to me sometimes like, you know, using flesh tint to uh, start painting a building mm. you know and th those kind of things like they don't seem like kind of great amazing sort of profound philosophical things but mm. when you're actually at the coalface making a painting yeah. it's really uh, valuable and I, I i do think all the time about the things that she said to me i mean there's maybe like you know two or three things i've said there but but there, there's there's a lot more yeah you know so thanks, Carol. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> um, and what is, uh, so what's next for, uh, you, we've talked about the new art school, um, mm. but what's next for all these projects you have? I know at the moment things are a bit precarious, but yeah, what, yeah. what what's, what's coming up for you? And um, Well, hopefully um, I'm going to still do the show in, in, in the project space in South London, which is run by Goya Mujale. Who's a Brazilian painter? Oh yeah, she. I was. Yeah. She was in my year. Actually, oh, yeah. she was actually above me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought you would know her. Uh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so hopefully, I'm going to do that. Cool. And so I get some of these um, heads in half-life paintings out. So um, yeah, because I've been painting away, and I've got a lot of um, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot there that I could show. Mm. Uh, just got to sort of show the, the the cream off the top, if you know what I mean. Um, and uh, I'm also, I'm supposed to be doing a residency in Dunkirk in France in September. Wow. But the more I read about the coronavirus, the more I'm thinking, I guess that's maybe not going to happen. Mm. Um, so I don't know. It's all up in the air at the moment. So I really hope I can go because um, I just love the idea of going somewhere, painting for a month and then showing what you paint. And yeah. that's what I was going to do. Yeah. So I was, I was going to do a solo show there in a, in, it's a, a sort of small CCA there called Platform. And um, I was going to do a solo show. So, I mean, fingers crossed, um, the sun comes out and burns off the coronavirus. So, but who knows, it could be cancelled. Um, and also, I'm, 
I'm presenting my research twice uh, at some point. Mm. Uh, my my uh, graphic novel, which is the precognitive painting program. Yeah, I was, uh, was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to be presenting that at the Royal College of Art to the PhD students. But it was due to be this month, but it's had to be rescheduled, and I don't know when this when that's going to be. Now. Okay. So maybe if it if if I get a new date, uh, I, I, I'll I'll give it to you. And you put it on the blog yeah or, yeah um, great yeah thank and you. then there's also i was in um i was supposed to be doing a a um a presentation a paper at the university of south wales as well and they were doing a symposium on um graphic novels mm. uh that was like uh it's like sort of i guess it's sort of like cutting edge or avant-garde graphic graphic novels and i was i was going to do a paper uh, okay. about what i'm doing mm. And uh, unfortunately, that's been cancelled or rescheduled mm. to next year. So, so I guess I'm sort of doing a few different things. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And there's a, there's a few other things in the pipeline as well, but I probably shouldn't say because they're okay. probably not, yeah, <laughs> right. not not hundred percent confirmed. But yeah, anyway, that's that's pretty much what I'm doing. Cool, cool. And is there any anything any anyone you'd like to plug? Before we say our goodbyes, uh, I suppose I suppose the only thing would be the new art school. Yeah. And so we've already talked about that, but um, yeah. we're all really excited about it. And uh, yeah, let's hope that um, yeah, let's hope that you know things keep going well with it, and um, and we can get through this Corona situation. And mm. yeah, but that, I think that's it. I don't have any other plugs. That's all right. That's all right. Cheers, mate. Cool. Um, well, yeah, keep well, keep safe. Um, yeah, and you. Thanks and for you. coming and, on. And thank, thanks for asking me to come on. It's been really uh, fun. Oh, yeah, no, go, great. My, yeah, talk it's... about myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure, mate. Thanks for yeah. coming on. It's good. Yeah, nice thank time. you. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Well, thank you very much for listening. Please find more information about what was discussed in the podcast in the notes section. And if you like what you heard and would like to keep up to date with new episodes, um, then please subscribe or follow us depending on which listening platform you use. And head over to our Instagram page, at to the studio, which we regularly update with posts about each guest we have and all other goings on as well. To the studio is produced by the audio wizard an all-round great guy that is Theo Bird and I would thoroughly recommend getting in touch with him for all your audio needs on Instagram he is Bird Person Bird is spelled B-Y-R-D Person also if you can spare a moment to leave us a lovely review that would help us out a lot and it allows us to reach a few more ears than we are currently and lastly if you've got any suggestions or opinions you wish to share with us then please feel free to do so on any of our social media platforms or send us over an email. Our details are again in um, the notes section uh, of each episode of the podcast. Well, thanks very much again for listening and we'll see you next time.